Hello, Classic Crew, and welcome back to Classically Abby Live. Here on my podcast, we get more in-depth on topics that fit in with my classic perspective and traditional values. As a premium subscriber, you get access to three exclusive podcast episodes every month. I've already published two episodes here on my podcast, one all about chemistry and compatibility, and one all about how to develop your personal style. So today we're going to be talking about three lessons that I learned on Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. And the reason I wanted to share this was because I think these lessons are actually very applicable to anyone of any faith. But before we get into the three lessons I learned, I need to start off with where I was at mentally when we got into Rosh Hashanah this year. So Jacob and I had just attended a wedding in Rhode Island, in Newport, Rhode Island actually, and we had migrated over to Providence, Rhode Island because none of the synagogues in Newport were allowing people to come into services who weren't already members. So we had to find another option And we ended up staying in Providence because it was so much more expensive for us to try and fly home on Labor Day, the Monday of Labor Day weekend, than it was for us to actually stay in Providence for a few more days. Which I know sounds funny, but that was the case. As you can imagine, flights were exorbitant. So going into Rosh Hashanah, I had this really big realization that I hadn't been taking steps forward in my faith. If you guys have followed my faith journey, You know that I used to be modern orthodox. I took a few steps back when I went to my master's program in New York where I was studying opera and my husband grew up reform. And so the two of us got together and we decided that as a team, we wanted to be more observant. And by the time we have children, we really want to be keeping more laws or at least by the time our children are really aware of what's going on. And in the last year, really since COVID hit, we haven't taken those small steps forward in observance. When we were living in Omaha, Nebraska, we were attending synagogue almost every week. And then COVID hit and in Orthodox Judaism, you can't do like Zoom services. You can't have electronic prayers. And so we weren't able to attend communal services. And now it's been a year and a half, maybe a little more, And we still haven't really resumed going back to services, even though we do have an opportunity. And we've said to ourselves when we move to a bigger Orthodox Jewish community, because at this time we don't really live in a big Orthodox Jewish community, well, then we'll start to practice more. Then we'll go to synagogue. And, you know, someone actually said to us, you can take those steps now. You can go to synagogue now and you don't have to wait. And that was kind of a, a kick in the pants for us, I think, when we realized, oh, we we have been making the choice not to progress in our observance. And that's on us. And we need to be better. So that was the mindset I had going into Rosh Hashanah, this feeling of I need to be better. I need to improve. So with that in mind, I have three things that I wanted to think about on Rosh Hashanah. So if you guys don't know, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. And it's also the holiday of repentance. The idea is that God will inscribe us for a good year or a bad year, and we need to pray and repent to be better for the next year. And so with that in mind, I went into this Rosh Hashanah feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm really excited because I've actually repented. I've realized my mistake, and now I want to improve. So I'm going to share the three things I was thinking about this Rosh Hashanah, 
I'd love to hear in the comments if you connect with any of these ideas. Please make sure to let me know. It really means a lot when you guys share that stuff with me. And let's get into it. The first thing I thought about this Rosh Hashanah was my husband's philosophy about the holiday. So when I was younger, I was sort of raised on this idea that God will inscribe you in the book of life or not if you don't pray hard enough. And it sort of felt like it was all up to chance. It felt like if you pray this amount and you don't know how much that is, then God will forgive you. And if you don't, then you're going to be punished. Of course, this is a child's understanding. I don't think anyone put that on me. I think this was my own perception of things. But that kind of perception can stick with you for a really long time, and it did. And so I would go into Rosh Hashanah feeling really stressed and scared and feeling like, oh my gosh, if I don't get this right, I'm going to have a bad year. And I have to feel so guilty about what I did last year so that God will forgive me. Well, when I talked to Jacob about this, he kind of laughed and said, you know, I think there's more to this than your childhood understanding. And I'm very, very grateful that he said that. What he said to me is, Rosh Hashanah doesn't have to be taken literally in the idea that God is going to inscribe you in the book for good life based on if you feel guilty enough. His idea, Jacob's idea, is the idea that you inscribe yourself in the book of good life based on the choices you make. So yes, you can look back at the past year and think about what you regretted, but it's not useful to feel so guilty for no reason. The point of feeling guilty, the point of regret, is to prevent us from doing something stupid again. (laughs) It's to prevent us from sinning again because we look back and realize we did something wrong. But just wallowing in the guilt, wallowing in the regret, wallowing in the pain of what we should have done and didn't, that's not actually a good thing. What's good about those feelings, what's useful about those feelings, is making the choice to be better. So if I viewed Rosh Hashanah as an opportunity to improve myself and make better choices and think about what did I do in the past year that really I could have done better and now I want to do better in the coming year and viewing it more as I get to control the outcome of the year as much as I can, obviously, with my own choices and with my own intentions. This idea to me was so important. It was such a big game changer. It made going into Rosh Hashanah feel so much more positive. It made it feel like, hey, I get to take stock of where I am now, where I was at last year, and where I want to be next year. This is a really cool thing. I get two full days to work on this. This is an opportunity for me to think about how I want to improve and how I want to be better and how I can get closer to God. Not everyone gets that opportunity. Not everyone gets the opportunity to reflect on a day that all other Jews are also reflecting. That, to me, changed Rosh Hashanah. And it changed the experience. And I think anyone from any faith background can feel and can incorporate into their life. Rather than feeling like they have to feel guilty for the sake of feeling guilty, feeling that you can feel guilty in order not to make the same sin again and not to make the same choices again, and to feel that you have control over the outcome of your life as much as you can based on your choices. Of course I know, man plans, God laughs. And with that in mind, you still can make the best choices for your life. You still can try to be the best version of you by constantly improving. 
And it's not about God coming down and smiting you. It's about you making the choices that are going to make you better and make you have a better relationship with your creator. So that is lesson number one. Lesson number one is your relationship to God is not based on how bad or guilty you feel. It's about how you try to improve your choices from year to year. The second thing I learned on Rosh Hashanah is how technology pulls me away from God. Something I've really been working on this past year and to be quite honest, failing at and something I want to be better about is getting off technology. Technology is so addictive. It's something that you can just easily pick up your phone at any moment when you're bored and scroll. And especially if you're like me, if you work from home, if you don't have anyone else around and it can feel a little bit quiet, you want some sort of company and the phone gives you that. Technology gives you that. But constantly having a distraction in your life means you never have a quiet moment to reflect. You never have those few minutes a day where you can sit down and speak to God or think about your choices. You're constantly able to flick a switch and not think about anything. And when you don't do that, when you don't have those little moments of repose to check in or taking the time each day to pray and think about how you want to be better, then it really does pull you away from your faith. It really does pull you away from God. And it makes me worse. It makes me less attentive. It makes me less intentional. It makes me less deliberate with my time and wasteful. And I feel distinctly when I'm wasteful of my time that I'm not showing my gratefulness to God that I'm here, that I'm alive, that I have this wonderful life. If you are constantly distracted and wasting your time, it feels like I'm throwing it in God's face somehow. And that's not to say that you can't take time and enjoy life and hang out and chill out, but the constant distraction is what makes me feel ungrateful to God for being placed here. And I want to be more here and now and present. So that's the second lesson I learned, how technology pulls me away from God. The last lesson I learned this year is why you can't do faith on your own. You need a community. I used to believe when I was an opera singer that my relationship with God was my relationship with God and I didn't need a community in order to feel that. And the reason that I even considered this was because I would be traveling four to six weeks at a time away from any synagogues. I would have to practice Sabbath on my own with no community at all. And the fact was I could do it, but over time you start to lose faith and you start to miss out on the communal aspect of things, which also keeps you accountable. This year, when I realized how much Jacob and I were depending on a community for our observance, depending on moving into an Orthodox Jewish community for us to start taking on certain practices that we weren't taking on already, I realized how important being part of a community is. So even though Jacob and I don't live in an Orthodox Jewish community now, we are doing our best to go to services. We want to be more involved. And I think it's integral to having a good relationship with God 
which sounds funny because I think we all view our relationship with God on an individual level, but really that individual level is important and it is something to explore and keep strong, but without the communal aspect, without the support of the people around you, without the families that you see every week at your prayer services, it's too lonely. And I've talked about this on my channel before. I've talked about this in blogs before. I've talked about this in my articles on my Substack. But loneliness is the first thing that will cause you to make bad choices. Loneliness is something none of us can live with, even an introvert. Introverts might say that they don't want to be out and about, and I can understand that. But even introverts at the end of the day need some social interaction. And without it, we will do things to get it. So if you are searching for your faith without a community, over time you're going to end up leaving your faith in favor of hanging out with people, in favor of curing that loneliness. But the fundamental beauty of religion is that you do have a relationship with your creator, but on the other side of things, you have a relationship with everyone else who shares that faith. And it's so beautiful. It's so supportive. It's bolstering. I've been really grateful lately. We have a rabbi in Rebetzin in our area, despite the fact that it is a small Jewish community. I have been able to talk with the rabbi's wife, that's what a Rebetzin is, just to clarify, about my faith, about my struggles. And it bolsters me. And without that, it's really hard to find a basis for your faith alone. So that was lesson number three. You can't do faith on your own. You need a community. So those are the three lessons that I learned this year on Rosh Hashanah, and I hope you find them as relevant to you and your faith as I did this year. As I said, I think that these lessons can be translated across the faith spectrum, so it really isn't just relevant to Jews. Thank you so much for listening in today, and I'm so glad that you're here as a premium subscriber. Next week, there won't be a new podcast, but that'll be because there's a live stream Q&A on my channel. So make sure to keep an eye out for my weekly email so that you can submit your questions for the live stream Q&A. Thanks again for listening to Classically Abby Live, and I'll see you guys in my next episode. Bye! Bye!